Hey guys, welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. With me as always, you've got Terry. And on this fine evening, what I'd really like to discuss is a further update to where we are with Joshua Ruiz. Usually by this point, we get tired of the negotiations, but this just appears to be the gift that keeps on giving if you're a boxing fan. And, you know, if you're a keen observer of the moves of Eddie Hearn, you know, I think a while ago I said on the New Age Boxing Podcast that at some point Eddie Hearn's going to talk himself into a circle. He's going to put himself in a position that he can't escape from. He's going to find himself in a situation where he's been outmaneuvered. And the beautiful thing is he won't even see it coming. You know, once upon a time I was speaking with Lennox Lewis about the links between chess and boxing. One of the things Lennox said, which was really powerful, was chess is the art of minimising your errors. And he was saying, at the top level, everyone knows everyone else's moves. And it's about who can hold it together the longest over a protracted period. Who can, who can carry on before the errors kick in? And I think chess and boxing have that parallel. And I think we can link that to boxing promotion as well. When the big dogs get together, it's about who doesn't make the mistake, who doesn't slip up, who doesn't screw up. In this case, clearly, Eddie Hearn is either about to screw up or is halfway down the road of screwing up because everything up until this point had been pretty bullish. Look, just to give an example, when asked whether Andy Ruiz had signed to fight in Saudi Arabia, or was holding out for more, was refusing to fight. You know, Eddie Hearn's response to, to Sky Sports was interesting. Yep, fake news, he's already signed. So now it's really answering some questions that he has uh, about the rematch, which is more logistically, um, and some boxing questions as well. But they know what they signed up to, and uh, we look forward to a thrilling fight. Now, first and foremost, credit to Sky Sports. I think that's probably the toughest interview Eddie Hearn has had in the United Kingdom, which is a failing on you know, the boxing media in this country. We, we all know the, the traditional failings of a Steve Bunce when it comes to interviewing people in boxing. And Mike Costello's had a shocker interviewing Eddie Hearn as well. And then you have, you know, the, the clowns of boxing social who seem unable to do much. Although they have moments where, you know, moments of redemption, we'll call it. You know, I'm being contrite today. But what's interesting in this interview, and, you know, the great thing about Hearn is, you can track him and you can track the narrative and you can follow the things he says, but he will often let the truth leak out, sometimes in the things he says, but more often than not, the things he doesn't say. And I'll give you a prime example of this. You know, further on in the interview, asked a relatively simple question. Main stumbling blocks in the negotiations? Nothing. Like I said, there was no negotiations needed. You know, that contract was signed a long time ago. Um, we were fair to them. You know, we spoke to their team and we have done throughout this whole process. That sounds like a man trying to sell you a narrative. So the, so the thing I found really interesting was that contract was signed a long time ago. Mm. But a long time ago, the fight was going to happen in Cardiff. You know, a long time ago, Eddie Hearn said that Ruiz had no choice but to accept their terms. They would dictate the purses. They would dictate the location. They would dictate everything. Because he said that wasn't the original fight contract. So if Andy Ruiz signed ages ago, at what point has he signed to commit to a fight in Saudi Arabia? Because ages ago, he had signed a contract to fight in Cardiff, I imagine. But now we're talking about Saudi Arabia. That's a variation in a contract, which he would also have to agree to. I don't recall Hearn making reference to that, which is slightly worrying. So here's what we can conclude. 
this is what we can this is this is what we can say we know with almost absolute certainty. Andrew Ruiz has signed one contract with Eddie Hearn with Matchroom with with the zone with whoever is representing Anthony Joshua. Whoever the slave masters are, Ruiz has only ever signed one contract and that was to fight on June the first. Now whatever terms that contract contains, I I can't be certain, we can't be certain, we're not the lawyers involved. What we do know is Andy Ruiz has not signed a contract to fight in Saudi Arabia for no other reason than he refuses to go to Saudi Arabia. And, and, and this goes back to the whole point, and people can say you're a match from hater for saying things like this. When you sign a contract, there is no room for debate around what the terms mean. And if there is, then sack your lawyer. Because there shouldn't be. It should be absolutely clear what you've signed up to what the terms are, who gets paid when and what, and at what point can you cancel the contract. So lesson number one that Hearns learned. There are people in America, it might be Al Heyman, it might be someone else behind Andy Ruiz, that have access to damn good lawyers. And you know they have access to damn good lawyers simply because the language changes. The language changes when Hearn realises he might be in a tricky position. It changes. He starts to panic. And, and this happens a lot with Eddie Hearn when he's under pressure. He starts to panic and he starts to reveal what's really beneath the surface. Whoever that may be. But, you know, like I said, we gave him the opportunity and he will, as I know, Andy Ruiz is a man of his word. He will abide by the contract that he signed. So... On what basis is Ruiz agreeing to this fight? Is he agreeing to it because he's a man of honour? Is he agreeing to it because it's in a contract? If it's in a contract, I don't need to rely on his honour. I have the force of a contract. I hold his career in my hands, right? That's generally how it works. But what will become obvious, I, I believe, as time rolls, and what will become clear, what you'll be able to see is that actually Andy Ruiz holds a lot of pieces on the board he has a lot of the chess pieces that Hearn either hasn't seen or doesn't understand because that fight will not happen in Saudi Arabia and I, I think we can generally accept that the fight will not happen in Saudi Arabia because it doesn't make sense for the fight to happen in Saudi Arabia for anybody I don't think Joshua wants to box in Saudi Arabia I don't believe Ruiz wants to box there. I don't believe Sky wants to be in Saudi Arabia I genuinely don't I think you know it's cheaper for Sky to do a live broadcast from Cardiff. It is cheaper for Sky to manage the logistics in Cardiff. Right? Just from a cost perspective, you're probably adding, in terms of operational cost, you might be adding 150 to 200% to your cost base. And that means you've got to sell maybe another 20% extra pay-per-views. And it's at an awkward time. It's at 9.30. So you know, how do you resolve that? So let's just talk through some of the key players in all of this. And let's start with Anthony Joshua. Does Joshua want to fight Ruiz again? Maybe. It's, it's not an emphatic yes, it's not an emphatic no, it's a maybe. And it's a maybe because depending on what he feels went wrong in that fight, he might be able to fix it. If he does, he's run out of time. And what's really interesting is at a time when Anthony Joshua should be in the gym learning Finding someone with that extra bit of inspiration, maybe a guy like Donald Smith, maybe a guy like, you know, the, the, the Spanish guy, Angel Fernandez, who's a fantastic trainer. Maybe even going back to Don Charles for some inspiration. Have that Rocky Three moment where someone can talk to you 
who's known you from the beginning of your boxing career. I don't know. But finding a talented trainer like that to add a little spice to what you're going to do in December, I know for a fact that hasn't been established yet. Secondly, most importantly, you've got about four months until this fight, four months from now this fight's done. 16 weeks or maybe less, this fight is over. And for both men, their careers will be defined forever. And Anthony Joshua's on holiday. And family comes first and all this great stuff. But Anthony Joshua's on holiday. That's a worrying sign already. That's a sign that you're just trying to get through this. You're going to do enough so that you don't embarrass yourself. But probably after this, maybe you're done with the sport. Because from the myth we've been fed about Anthony Joshua being the ultimate competitor, the ultimate trainer, the ultimate winner, this is not how you behave. Ultimately, this is not how you behave. Another way to look at it is maybe in Anthony Joshua's mind, Andy Ruiz is his kryptonite. Maybe there is no version of Joshua that has ever existed that could handle Andy Ruiz. That's a possibility. We all meet our nemesis, and it's a rare person who will take on their nemesis repeatedly. Joe, Joe Frazier was easily Muhammad Ali's nemesis. Some people say Ken Norton as well. And then by extension, you know, Eddie Futch is Muhammad Ali's nemesis. But Ali fought both men three times, if I remember correctly. And that shows you the fighting spirit. Muhammad Ali in that seventh round against Ruiz would have put his own mouth guard back in. He would have said, put, I'll put my own mouthpiece in, but stop trying, to, stop trying to check if I'm okay. Put my gum shield in my mouth and let me go out on my shield because I am the world champion. That's what you wanted to see in Joshua. And I just don't think that is in Joshua. I have a feeling that in his heart of hearts, he knows he will never top what he did against Vladimir Klitschko. And that's fine. That's okay. We should be okay with that as boxing fans. He gave us a memorable moment. It's what we'll tell our children about. There's no debating that. But ultimately, that's not a warrior's mindset. And maybe that's where we are with Joshua. Maybe this is just, let's go to Saudi, get the biggest paycheck we can, see where the fight takes us, and go from there. I suspect the big hope in Team Joshua is that this has gone to Ruiz's head. And Ruiz doesn't train as focused and isn't as hungry and isn't as determined. And they can catch him off guard. Maybe they're playing possum with Andy Ruiz. I wouldn't be surprised by that either. But I'd like to believe Andy Ruiz understands how close he is to becoming the number one face in the heavyweight division. Imagine that. A six foot one guy who weighs 268 pounds and there's not one shred of muscle that's visible. And he's about to become the face of boxing. That could change boxing massively. That could be a massive paradigm shift in terms of where boxing is. Do we then revert back to the small skillful men dominating the sport. So, is, is Ruiz Joshua's kryptonite? Maybe. Has he taken something from Joshua's soul? Maybe. But what we can be absolutely certain about is if you offered Anthony Joshua a fight against Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Andy Ruiz, Andy Ruiz would not get that fight under any circumstance. And we all know that. We all know that. So then that makes you think, why is he taking this fight? Perhaps he doesn't have a choice. Perhaps it's never been his choice to make. Perhaps the Joshua Project, much like Treadstone. <laughs> Maybe this is the boxing equivalent of Treadstone. Maybe we are. Maybe we should call this the Joshua identity. Perhaps in Miami he woke up and didn't know who the hell he was. <laughs> he, he forgot that he was a 
highly trained fighter. Maybe he remembered that he was Oluwafemi, Joshua. Maybe he remembered that all of a sudden. And out of nowhere, he thought, well, why am I even doing this? I just want to go back to Watford. I don't know. What I do know is he's in massive trouble because he has to find a killer instinct from somewhere. And it can't be from all the brain's trust and all the hangers-on he has around him. It's not from those guys because they've had their chance numerous times and every time they've always been questions. Joshua leaves every fight with more questions than answers. And that's no indictment against him. It's an indictment against his training team because they've clearly failed him. You know, just in the interest of balance, put yourself in the shoes of Anthony Joshua. As of August 2019... The next fight you have, December 7th against Andy Ruiz, will define how the public look at you. You know, you could be on Lennox Lewis levels of hero worship, or you could be on Audley Harrison levels of fan sympathy and consideration. Another gold medalist who just didn't have it at the top level. Anthony Josh was keenly aware of what this means for his legacy and how you define yourself in a legacy. So why Saudi Arabia? How do you end up saying, I will fight in Saudi Arabia? Does Anthony Joshua choose to fight in Saudi Arabia? Let's just ask that. Does he choose to fight in Saudi Arabia? So on the cusp of defining yourself as a boxer, defining yourself as an athlete, you choose Saudi Arabia. Why? Uh, a few things, really. I think the vision of the event, the opportunity to box in somewhere completely different, and Andy Ruiz's comments. You know, he didn't want to fight in the UK, he felt it was unfair. I don't think AJ wants any excuses. You know, he wants to make sure that he wins this fair and square. To be fair, Madison Square Garden was fine. Las Vegas is fine. Las Vegas is probably a legacy fight. LA, Hollywood, probably a good location. They're all, they're various options they could have taken. You know, Joshua's familiar and he's friendly in Dubai. It could have happened there. It could have happened in Nigeria. You can find enough money in Nigeria for the fight to happen. So at what point did Anthony Joshua say, I want to fight in Saudi Arabia over Vegas? I don't think he did. I think he was told. You will fight where you're told to fight. And when people say he's a multimillionaire, how can you be in a slave contract? It's for moments like this. Look how much of the pain he has to shoulder. Because someone has told him where to go. And the flimsy reason they have for him going there is what? Uh, a few things, really. I think the vision of the event, the opportunity to box in somewhere completely different. And Andy Ruiz's comments. You know, he didn't want to fight in the UK. He felt it was unfair. I don't think AJ wants any excuses. You know, he wants to make sure that he wins this fair and square. Really? Doesn't want any excuses? Well, you know, I thought the contract was watertight. I didn't think any negotiations were required. I thought Eddie Hearn, Matchroom, AJ, AJ Boxing, 25-8, whatever it all is. I thought that whole machine, I thought the Joshua Project controlled all the strings. Once again, they don't, you know, and you can sell this to the fans with as much spin as you want, but we've heard it all before. So when we hear things like this. Could go down as one of the greatest wins of all time. Anthony Joshua retaining, regaining his world heavyweight belts in Saudi Arabia. It's there are people on Twitter who will believe that and go, 
Eddie Hearn would never lie to me. Eddie Hearn says all of this and he's the problem. And I don't think he's the problem directly, but the fact that he's the mouthpiece suggests that he is the problem. Whoever's making the decisions behind the scenes is really the problem. Eddie Hearn is merely the messenger. We'll shoot him because we don't like him, but generally you don't shoot the messenger. You don't shoot the messenger. But how many times do we have to hear this over and over again? And what's ended up happening is Team Hearn have come up against a foe in Team Heyman that rarely make mistakes. It's rare for Heyman to lose fighters. It's rare for Heyman to make missteps when it comes to negotiations. You never hear about Heyman fighters not getting paid. Al Heyman's a fighter's promoter, manager, advisor. He's a guy they want because when you've got Heyman in your corner, things happen. And what also happens? You're protected from the snakes in the sport. Al Heyman cut his teeth in the music industry where there are 10,000 Eddie Hearns. Eddie Hearn would not be special in the music industry. Heyman knows how to deal with this guy. And he did. Al Heyman equipped Andy Ruiz with the greatest weapon any human being can have. The power of silence. He said very little. He let Hearn play play his best hand. Put everything out there as Hearn loves to do. He puts everything out there. I'm too transparent. I'm too honest. But it's what the fans expect of me. All right, well done. But where do you ultimately end up? You end up in this position now where Hearn's played his best hand. And then Andy Ruiz responds by saying, I'm not going to Saudi Arabia. Genius by Heyman. He let Eddie Hearn build up that hubris to believe that he had the fight over the line. The contracts with the Saudis are agreed and I don't know what the exit fees are and I don't know what the reputational damage is for Hearn in the Middle East if that fight doesn't go ahead, as promised in the press conference. What we do know now is Andy Ruiz is unlikely to go. And now we come to the main person in all of this, who is Andy Ruiz. And why he is the key to this fight happening at all, if ever. What I'd like to do is just step into the mind of Andy Ruiz. I'd like to imagine I was Andy Ruiz. And from when I was young, they've always told me I need to lose weight. I need to get in better shape. I'm not going to make it as a heavyweight. I'm too small. I'm too short. My arms are too short. These taller guys are, are going to make mincemeat of me. So my whole life, all I've been doing is fighting to prove people wrong. You know, injustice after injustice, yet I keep winning. I keep winning because I refuse to lose. I refuse to give in and I refuse to be dominated by bigger guys. I will not be bullied. That's the mindset Andrew Rees grows up in. He wasn't a big man. He wasn't a six foot six giant strutting around Watford in a golf or on a scrambler. He wasn't that. He was a little guy, a little chubby guy who could fight his ass off simply because he refused to lose. That is the Andrew Ruiz you're probably dealing with at the core of all of this. A guy who, despite the smile, despite the family values, when it comes to this boxing thing, he refuses to lose. You know, boxing as Andres Ruiz Ponce you know, he, he had a decent amateur record. And you can see, you know, that fighting spirit. He, he lost to guys you'd expect him to lose to, not because they're better than him, but because they were likely in better systems than he was. That's probably it. But 
Sometimes I think it's better not to win everything because then you know what defeat tastes like and you understand that you've got to go back to the drawing board and work harder and work harder and work harder. And that's what Ruiz has done his whole career. So when he fought Joseph Parker for the world championship, he knew he had to bring his best because he's been jobbed before and he hasn't always got the justice he deserves because to a lot of people, he doesn't look the part and I probably criticise him for not looking the part. And against Parker... He probably did enough to win, but it's not criminal that he lost. It wasn't a robbery. But that imbues you with a certain spirit. And I guess you get to a point in your career where you say, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose swinging. I don't want anyone saying to me that, ah, oh, you know, you didn't go out on your shield. And you saw that in the third round against Joshua, where he got knocked down and came back like a true warrior in a way that Joshua couldn't do in the third round, in the fourth round, in the seventh round. He couldn't do that. And that's what makes Andy Ruiz different. This boxing thing is in him. With Anthony Joshua, it's something that he does and it's something that he's good at. With Andy Ruiz, it's in him. It's who he is. He's, he's a boxer. He's a fighter. There's no question about that. That is who and what he is. And that's what makes his mindset really interesting. Because the minute you tell Andy Ruiz this is what you have to do, you already know that's not going to happen. Had Hearn been smart and said, we're going to sit down with the world champion, bear in mind he's now the world champion after the injustice of that WBO belt. He has that WBO belt. And three others. He is the world champion. And much like the way Eddie Hearn disrespected Wilder and it came back to haunt him, He's disrespected Andy Ruiz, albeit in a different way, but he's disrespected Andy Ruiz. And what Andy Ruiz is saying is, if you're not going to respect me, I'm going to kick your chessboard in the air. I might not checkmate you, because yes, I did sign that contract. But we're going to play out this stalemate until we shake hands and say, do you know what? We both tried our best. So that's what you're seeing with Andy Ruiz at the moment. He's just saying, I'm not fighting in Saudi Arabia. And then when you look at, then now let's look at the cards anyone's got to play. Joshua has no cards to play because he's not his own boss. And it doesn't appear that his boss cares much about him. The Joshua Project's about revenue, it's about profit, it's about growing the franchise. Fair enough, do your thing. But Joshua hasn't got many cards to play in this. He needs the rematch and he needs to win it. Eddie Hearn needs the rematch and he needs that win. Why? His revenue projections, his zone deal is predicated on Joshua having those belts and on Joshua fighting for that fourth belt. Without Joshua, Hearn has the stable of kind of okay guys. Guys who, yeah, they could win a title, but we don't care about them. They don't move the needle. And that puts him way down the pecking order in John Skipper's mind. He becomes semi-irrelevant and he knows that he needs Joshua for this. Without Joshua, Matchroom is a tenth of the size, probably. You know, everything falls down. AJ Boxing collapses. All of that thing collapses. Eddie Hearn's got no pull without Anthony Joshua, so this fight has to happen. The only weapon Eddie Hearn has is the ability to go to court and get an injunction that stops Andy Ruiz boxing until he fights Anthony Joshua in a rematch. So I ask you a question as boxing fans. Who do you think can live with the inactivity more? 
Andy Ruiz, who did not box for 15 months after Joseph Parker and has still come back to become unified world champion. Or Anthony Joshua, who looks like he's never left the gym in his life. Who looks like if he doesn't train, he loses what he's gained. Who do you think can withstand the inactivity? Who could live with the prolonged court case? Ruiz or Joshua? I sense Al Heyman cares more about Ruiz than Hearn does about Joshua. I sense that Al Heyman would look after Andy Ruiz if a court case came up. I sense Joshua would be on his own and he'd have to fight it on his own. So I don't think, I don't think Team Hearn want that. I think Ruiz's side is better prepared for that. So then what else have they got? Nothing. It is just that. We will take him to court. You can't necessarily get him stripped. And even if you got him stripped, it exacerbates the problem. Now Joshua's got to fight everyone again to get those belts. And he's got to join the queue. The IBF will be fought between Kubrat Pulev and Tyson Fury if it goes free. Can't touch the WBC. So that's two belts he can't touch now. The WBO might be Usyk against Dillian White, perhaps. Does he, want, does he want either one of those? Probably not. The WBA, we don't really care about the WBA, but Joe Joyce might be a factor in that as well. So they have history. It's a long road to getting all those belts back. There are no Charles Martins now. There are no 55-year-old Vladimir Klitschko's now. There are young, hungry killers that were already gunning for Joshua. Now, that, now if they get to fight him for him to get those belts back, has he really got the heart for that? I don't know. So what, what Matchroom and what Hearn really need is for those belts to stay together and to stay on the waist of Andy Ruiz and to achieve that they will bend over backwards because the project is over regardless. So Andy Ruiz is in a really strong position. He's only constrained by the fact that he has to take the rematch. Where it happens, how much he gets paid and so forth, he can gamble on that and he can gamble by vacating belts. Andy Ruiz doesn't need the belts anymore, much like Tyson Fury did he proved that if he's not the man, he's in the discussion for being the man in the division. That means him fighting Fury is a big fight. Him fighting Deontay Wilder is a big fight. Those three guys could just box off the whole of the heavyweight scene and fight each other and make bucket loads of money while excluding Anthony Joshua while he becomes an irrelevance. Andy Ruiz, has, he's elevated himself to the top table and you can't remove him. So he has nothing to lose by vacating. Heyman doesn't recognize the WBO, doesn't really care about the WBA outside of, you know, like a Pacquiao where it helps to further a story, but he'd happily vacate those. Heyman cares about the IBF and the WBC because they're the organizations who are friendly to him and sympathetic to him. So he'll be advising Ruiz, look, if worse comes to worse, we'll just scatter the belts, let Joshua fight them. And then when he gets a few more beatings, we'll give him his rematch if that's what he wants. But ultimately, when you strip this all down, Team Joshua need this rematch more than Team Ruiz do. And this will be reflected in negotiations. So don't expect the, the fight to happen in Saudi Arabia. And that's exactly why the tickets aren't on sale. The tickets aren't on sale because Ruiz hasn't signed a contract to fight in Saudi Arabia. Nor will he sign a contract to fight in Saudi Arabia. And I don't think he's afraid of going to court on those grounds. And I believe he'll be well backed by Heyman's legal team. So what do we expect to happen in the next few days? I imagine Ruiz and Joshua will take long holidays while the representatives have a conversation. And in that conversation, the words Las Vegas will come up. 
This will also come up where Heyman signs say, we will organize it. If you don't believe you can generate that kind of money, we will generate that kind of money and we will even front you a guarantee. And then that will be a test of the zone, you know, the zone, sky. That will be a test of their metal. How badly do they want to make this fight? But it's not going to happen in Saudi Arabia. So it'll, it'll be... So I would expect this. I'd expect Las Vegas to be mentioned. I'd expect Vada to be mentioned. You will have Nevada judges, Nevada arrests, Nevada scoring, things Heyman is familiar with and people who are friendly to Heyman. So that will prevent Joshua trying to adopt the Joseph Parker approach of having a pliant referee that will not let Ruiz box on the inside. So that's a big, that'll be a big win for him. And then the money will go up. So Ruiz will get closer to 40, 45% of that purse because otherwise the fight's not happening. And if it does happen, it's not for the belt, so it doesn't mean anything anymore. So let's see how it plays out. What I will say, and I do believe this, Ruiz still has the makings of someone who can give Joshua nightmares. He just needs to stay hungry, focused and dedicated. And not allow this whole process to be a distraction. He needs to play this for laughs and play it for fun. And then let Team Joshua get stressed out and affect them mentally. And this could be his ploy to get inside their heads. I don't know. But I don't rule anything out with Andy Ruiz. He's proved to be an incredible champion and a very savvy man. So fair play to him. But let's see how this plays out. And as always, you know, get in touch via Twitter at Highfield Boxing. Get in touch via Instagram at Highfield Boxing. I try to respond to the messages I get and the questions I do. So shouts out to those guys like, you know, Matt Skelton, Danny Watley, Riku, Porky, you know, Franz Sewell, you know, and then all the other people who, who get in touch as well. Really appreciate the effort. Other things to touch on. You know, if, if you're listening to this and you're a member of Soho House, if you're listening to this or you know people who are members at Soho House, get in touch, man. I need that membership, you know. I've been, I've been putting this off too long, so I need that membership. So if anyone's got a hook up to Soho House or if you've got a hook up to Annabelle's, hit me up. You know, It's about time to elevate the game. But what I wanted to say was, as always, guys, thank you very much for listening. You don't realise how much I appreciate this. It still blows my mind that people want to hear me talk about boxing, so I appreciate it. So have a great day or a great evening, whatever time you choose to listen to this, and take care. <laughs>